Theory. Finally, a podcast about the church for the church. Sit back and relax because you're now entering the reformed mental state. Hosted by the Chicano Knox. Coming from that gangster gospel perspective. Coming straight out of Geneva. All right. Thank you so much for joining Bible Theory once again. This is your host, Jesse, a.k.a. the Chicano Knox, uh, coming live and direct from the Reform Underground Studios out here from the Middle Earth in the middle of the United States, uh, bringing to you the doctrine of the church, breaking it down um, in small bites. We're not just talking about ecclesiology from, you know, the textbook as well. As you know, we already done that, and we will continue to break it down, ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, what is the church, the nature of the church, the invisible, visible church, all that is good. But all that, you know, is just head knowledge, right? You know, most of my listeners already know that. So what I also want to do, you know, with the podcast, most of you already know, is to take you uh, to the church, you know, take you to the inside of the church, what the church is doing right now. Because uh, sometimes uh, a lot of us just get caught up in books. And I'm not saying don't study theology, don't study books. Please read books, read more theology. Theology matters, right? Hashtag theology matters. But if that's all you do is sit in a desk for eight hours and read theology and you never, you know, get boots on the ground and you never talk to missionaries, you never go out there, you don't know what's going on then you're kind of missing the action. You're, mi- you're missing the, the, the benefits of what the Holy Spirit is doing out there, right? Outside of your library, outside of your seminary, outside of your family, right? So then that's what the whole podcast is about, Bible theory, the doctrine of the church, the, what's happening in the church worldwide, locally, visibly, all that stuff. So with today, uh, we're going to be going to Poland. We're going to be talking about the church in Poland. So uh, I want to give a shout out to everybody in Poland listening to Bible Theory. I double checked the analytics and I do got listeners and subscribers out there in Poland. So shouts out to all my Bible theorists out there in Poland, to all the theologians out there, residential and non-residential uh, theologians out there in Poland. I see you. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, you know, last time we talked about the church in Ukraine. And the uh, last time before that, we talked about the church in Egypt. So now we're going to be going to Poland, checking out, see what God is doing there. And with that, I have uh, Pastor Chris on here with me, live and direct from Poland. So Pastor Chris, what's up? Tell everybody, you know, who you are and what you do. Okay, my name is Chris Oshetsky, and I am a, a missionary, but I'm also a pastor of a church here in Poland. I've been church planting in this country for 26 years, and I've been part of starting uh, this is my fourth church that uh, I've been starting. Uh, the first one was sort of like uh, I was caught the end of a church plant that another missionary had been working at for a couple of years. And so I was there for about two years. Then I moved to a place called Sopot and planted a church. It took about 10 years. Moved to a place called Vejerovo, uh after that. And it took about 10 years. And then... Uh, we just started planning a church in a place called Kartuzy, which is in north central Poland. And by God's grace, the church has emerged. We've come to the point now we're registering as, as a church. 
So we'll have the right of incorporation, have our own elder board and function as a church and not as a church plant. So that's what I've been doing for the past 26 years. Before that, I was in the United States Navy. Uh, I got saved uh, out of a Roman Catholic background. My family is Polish. Both my mother's side of my family and my father's side of my family are all Polish people who emigrated uh, at the turn of the 20th century uh, to the United States from Poland. And, uh, and I came back. Amen. It's a little bit about me. <laughs> Amen. You know, uh, for those who are like, you know, I have no idea what's going on in Poland. This is what this episode is about. And he, here's a scripture verse, by the way, uh, Galatians chapter six, verse two, uh, Paul exhorts us and he says, carry each, carry each other's burdens. And so you will fulfill the law of Christ. And that does include other churches, because sometimes we get caught up in our own boxes and in our own influence culture, or should I say our own local churches, right? And there's nothing wrong about thinking about your own local church. But, you know, just to broaden our perspective, there are other churches out there. And, and my goal is to help people understand that, especially in the inner cities. You know, a lot of the people out there, um, you know, downtown Memphis, east side Baltimore, east side L.A., People don't know that there's churches out there that are growing, planting, struggling with, with what you're struggling, carrying the same burdens, thinking about almost the same things maybe you're thinking about. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, the church in Poland. So, Pastor Chris, tell, you know, t give us the, the motions of what, what, what it's like, you know, to, to live in Poland, to be Polish, a little bit about Polish culture maybe, because uh, a lot of people in America simply maybe just don't understand well, uh, to be Polish means to be part of the, the group of people called Slavic people. They're people from Ukraine, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Russia as well. We're all interrelated uh, through, the, through Slavic um, blood, I guess you could say. And what it's like to be Polish? Well, I'm sort of a half-breed. I'm a half-American, half-Polish. I guess, you know... It, it, Polish people like to, to do work in their gardens. They like farming. Farming in agriculture is a big part of life here in Poland. Uh, it, it's one of the biggest industries in the country. In the past 30 years or so, the IT industry has grown a lot in Poland. Polish people are very good with mathematics and physics. And so companies like Intel, Microsoft, and other uh, big IT companies are here in Poland. If you were in like Western Ukraine and you were in Poland, you probably see a lot of similar things. We eat similar food. We eat things like borscht. We call it, we call it borscht, you call it borscht, which is a beet soup. We eat a lot of potatoes. We eat a lot of pork. We eat a lot of kielbasa. It's not good for you, but that's the way it is. A lot of people, <laughs> right. a lot of people have the problems with their hearts when they get up in their 60s. Right. A lot of cardiological problems because of all the fat in the food. Man. Yeah, eat, um, maybe they, they should eat more lettuce and kale and like, uh, <laughs> you know, keto. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's changing. You get a lot of, you, you have vegetarians here too. Uh, you have people that are into that sort of thing. Poland is a country now, which is more and more becoming Western in its orientation. It's a member of the Euro European Union, a member of NATO, and uh, allies itself. I always tell people that Poland is a Slavic soul with a western church that the catholic church here plays a predominant role in the culture mm. and that that's not always good there's no real separation of church and state here that the catholic church really dominates political and social life in the country 
Although because they, they deal very heavy handedly, a lot of young people are turning away from the Catholic church and are basically atheists or agnostics. Mm. So that's something that's really grown in the past 20 years since I've been here is the amount of young people who are now atheists, despite being taught Catholic theology and Catholic practice in the public schools. Now, Catholic, you mean Roman Catholic? Or are you talking about Eastern Orthodox or what? No, Roman what? Catholic. Roman Catholic. Okay. So for those yeah. who don't know, there's divisions between the Roman Catholics and Eastern Greek Orthodox. And like um, there's the Ukraine or, um, Orthodox Church as well. So, yeah, so this is the Roman Catholic Church with Pope Francis or whatever his name is. Uh, okay, yeah. so that's the, they, they deal a heavy hand in, in Poland. Um, there's no separation of church and state, and they influence politics. But recently, didn't Poland declare itself to be pro-life or something like that? Well, that's gone on really for the past 20 years. Okay. Uh, Poland has been, Poland outlawed abortion back in the 90s and continues to tighten the restrictions that were there were loopholes in the law that people uh, would use to have abortions, but now the, the law is really tight. And that's yeah. an effect of the Catholic Church uh, on politics. So there are some good things which do come out of the um, lack of division of church and state, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other things which aren't good. Right, um, like the like the forms of, should I say, uh, it, it creates uh, an external form of following Jesus where you might say, okay, this is the this is the religion of the land. We all worship Jesus right here. So in one sense, the negative is it creates followers by association and not followers of endearment, of adoration, of uh, true, true commitment, right? Because uh, it's yeah, all it's, shallow. It's all just, I'm just born here. I'm a Catholic. But what does that mean, right? It, it, it's mm -hmm. like, it's just association. It's not adoration. It's not adoring, adoring Jesus, worshiping him. Worshiping Jesus and enjoying him forever is none of that. It's all just external, maybe temporary association kind of thing, right? Church membership is by association in that in that context. Yeah. And the other thing too is that the 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 biblical the biblical narrative of Jesus and the truth about Jesus is misconfigured here in Poland because of the influence of the Mary cult, that people worship the Virgin Mary. Uh, more than they would even nominally worship Jesus. And so it's all misconstrued. People will give lip service to worship of Jesus, but ultimately, uh, in many cases, they worship the Virgin Mary. Yeah, it's the same thing. It sounds very similar to my native country, my home country, where my dad comes from, which is Mexico. Uh, Roman Catholic, very, very, very populated, right? Uh, very traditional. Uh, they worship Jesus. They worship Mother Mary, the Virgen de Guadalupe in Spanish, mm -hmm. uh, Virgin Mary, mm -hmm. more uh, than they do Jesus, right? And so that's sad. Um, so you see a lot of statues, a lot of people, you know, praying the rosary and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, so do you see a lot? Okay, so you, you say the younger generation is mostly agnostic, atheist, you know what I mean? So that, that seems like a huge dynamic. Atheist on one side, agnostic on one side, and then you still have the old school generation still kind of practicing Catholic, right? Is that what the dynamic you're, you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, not, not all young people are atheists. Right, right, right. There, there's a lot of, it's, it's growing. It's right. more than it used to be. Right. And right. there's a lot of people leaving the Catholic Church. And you have a, sort of a division here. 
if you mentioned you have the older people who stick pretty close to the church, then you have people in their middle age. A lot of them live in um, cohabitation situations where you have, you know, people aren't married and they live together. They don't really necessarily go to the church, but they would baptize babies that would come out of such a, a union. And the, and the priest will baptize them, even if they come from what you would consider a non-family. Right. Born out of wedlock. Right. Born out of wedlock. Right. So, you know, that's what happens when the church doesn't disciple, doesn't preach the true gospel. That's what happens to a society in, in the context of Poland, for example, where the church is uh, everywhere. The church is favored, in a sense, by the government in, in one way or another. And then in the context of no discipleship, no gospel, uh, you know, no real church planting in that sense. It, it creates nominalism and syncretism and, it, it, you know, it creates a, a falling away. It, it, exactly what you're saying. It kind of does create a falling away. Uh, you know what I mean? Because in America, we have the same thing. You know, the shack up, you know, percentage is a lot higher than what it, what it you know, what it should be technically. Um, sure. if, if you look at the statistics, uh, I'm sure it has gone up since the 60s. It's normal to, to, to hook up, you know, before marriage and then not get married at all is actually pretty common. It's, it's, it's almost a new black. It's almost a new normal is to, mm. hook, is to hook up and not get married. In fact, it's very weird, countercultural to get married young, by the way. Is that, is that pretty common over there in, in Poland as well, where... Because it's uh, anti, you know, they, they don't murder babies, so I give them credit there. But in the sense of um, creating families, you know what I mean? Like the big family, the nuclear family, is that pretty common? You, you know, you walk around the streets and you see families still or no? Well, it depends on if you're in an urban situation or in a rural situation. I live now in a rural area and younger marriages are still common. Okay, but in the city, in the urban areas, not so much. That uh, young young people are putting off getting married, and as I mentioned, as you also mentioned in America, that they're doing things like cohabitation and waiting until their thirties or so to get married. But in the rural areas, it's not uncommon for people who are in their early twenties to get married and have children. You know, the older generation just simply got married younger. You know what I mean? The baby boomers had more kids. They had, uh, you know, they, they just had more savings in the banks. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with the transition of culture. You know what I mean? The influence of between pop culture versus folk culture, the transition from the living in rural areas versus urban areas. Right. Um, and, and you know what I mean? I'm not saying that having kids means you, you, you are saved. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that having kids usually is a normal thing. It used to be a normal thing and now it's not. Um, even in my personal life, I have four kids, you know what I mean, right now. And people sure. look at us weird, like, wow, you have four kids? That's a lot. And I'm like, dude, that's not a lot compared to other generations before, you know what I mean? Uh, it's only weird to you because, you, you know, you, you've been indoctrinated to, to not like kids and, uh, you know, to think that families are weird. But it is a normal thing to God. God likes families. He created the family, right? He created Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve, right? And uh, he told them to be fruitful and multiply. You know what I mean? So, and then he did bless Abraham, right, with 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 uh, kids. And he told him that that he, he he would be like the number of the stars. 
You know what I mean? He blessed David, you know, Solomon, you know what I mean? So like the family thing, you know, and even the church could be described as a, as like a, as a, as a family of God is the church can, mm -hmm. can be used as a metaphor to say the church is kind of like a family of God. Cause we're all adopted sons and daughters of God. So we're all related in Jesus uh, spiritually speaking, so the church can be described as a family, as you know, as well. Go, go ahead and tell us, um, you know, the nature of evangelism. What does it look like? What are the challenges you see in Poland when it comes to evangelizing the Polish people? We do different things. We'll do, you know, sometimes track ministries where we go out on the street and pass out literature and talk to people. Um, typically they associate us when we do that with Jehovah Witnesses and it turns them off. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses is the second biggest religion in Poland. The biggest, the biggest sort of evangelistic ministry has to do with camp ministry, summer camp ministry, where we have English camps, youth camps, family camps, where people will get away from their environment for say five to seven days. You sometimes under the pretext of teaching them English. We also teach them the word of God because they have, they're sort of away from their normal environment. They have time to think and to process what we're, what we're preaching. And many times people get saved. Youth ministry tends to be pretty, pretty good. You know, we're evangelical Protestants and it's sort of a, uh, a niche for people. People don't even know who we are. We're very small in Poland that the evangelical movement is like less than one, 1%. Of the population. So a lot of people have never met an evangelical Christian. So when they do, when we're invited to a camp or to another event, sometimes we do things like concerts where we'll have a music ensemble come and sing, and then we'll preach the word of God. So we do different things. You know, what's interesting is the people that just come to church, that they know that there's an evangelical church in their community and they just show up. Um, and then we share the gospel with them. And so it's sort of a, uh, I don't know, low-key low approach, but when they do enter the door of a Protestant church, they're making a huge statement, and a lot of times they're breaking a lot of tradition, and by doing so, they're open to the gospel. You know, people tell different stories about Protestant churches, like they'll say things that there's a picture of Mary that's um, in the floor, that people walk on Mary in Protestant churches, and and they, you know, just all sorts of lies that people, the Catholic people tell about evangelicals. So those are sort of some things that we do. We do direct evangelism. We do camp ministries. We do concerts. And then we have these people that just sort of show up in church. Once you started a church and many of them get saved. Amen. Um, tell us a little bit about what the relationship between the church and state, between evangelicals and because, you know, the Roman Catholics, you know, um, historically, since the Reformation, have not been kind to the Protestants, um, you mm. know what I mean? And so since they are in charge, more or less, in Poland, what is the relationship between, should I say, the Protestant church plants and the Catholic authorities that are represented in the state? Okay. Um, it depends on where you are and who is in charge of the local government. You know, they say all politics are local and how devout the local, local, say, mayor or um, county commissioner is 
to the Catholic Church. If they're really devout, we initially, we had all kinds of problems with the city because they didn't want to let us register a children's Bible church, where in other, like, in, you have to understand the context, that in Poland, all children go to school and they get Catholic religious classes. If you opt out, um, you don't have any other options except for learning ethics from a secular viewpoint. And so Christians, evangelical Christians, don't want to have their kids going to Catholic teaching and in the public schools, and they don't want secular ethics to be taught to them. So we've organized Bible schools in our churches for children that have accreditation. But um, the mayor of this town that we were in, he didn't want to give us accreditation. He didn't want to let us do it. And we fought him for like five years. Man, Finally, what a hater. Left, <laughs> what a hater. He wound up in the newspaper and wow. wound up in court wow. and it was, you know, just dragged on. And his answer was no, 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 no. <laughs> Finally, um, before the last series of elections, he was afraid that it would get splashed in the newspapers again. And so they gave us a one-year option for our children to have Bible school. And then we just extended each year. We have to go back to him and ask for permission to extend it. And, and thankfully he has. So things have calmed down. Oh, okay. But initially, when we came into the, t the town and started the church, they didn't want us. So our children were discriminated against. You know, it's like that one time, I think it's in Thessalonica, in uh, Acts chapter 17, where Paul is planting the church. And then the brethren, you know, the, the, the church are like, yo, Paul, you got to get out of here. So he gets out of there. And then the church leaders, I mean, the, the mob, right, because of the synagogue leaders, they, 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 they stir up a mob. And they go after, they try to find Paul, but they can't find Paul, so they find Jason instead. And they, they mm. go to this house, and they drag him to the civil authorities, and they embarrass him, and they do all kinds of stuff. But they, at the end of the day, they make him pay money. You know what I mean? They make him do the civic thing, which is like, here's the money. Just shut us up. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. in, order, in order to exist as, as a church plant in Thessalonica, the church had to pay, had to like pay them to shut up kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I don't know how, how long that lasted or what happened after that, because the book of Acts doesn't tell us. But we do know that 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 situation did happen, whatever it looked like. And sometimes God does use certain things that are very unorthodox, very, very uncomfortable, where you do have to play civics a little bit, you know, mm. as a church plant, um, you know, to cool off these civic leaders um, that they themselves need Jesus. Right. And so most people just send their kids to school. And teach them the word of God at home. It's just, it's just how it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot harder. You know what I mean? When you send your kids to Caesar, and it's a lot harder when you do that, uh, especially if you've been paying attention to the school movement in the United States currently, uh, with all the woke agenda and what they're teaching them, um, with in terms of what you know the sexuality type stuff, uh, the sexual education in elementary schools right now. There's a an educational revolution that's going on right now in school board meetings. And that's what's going, that's the hot topic right now in the United States is the sexual education and teaching your kids that it's okay to be gay and all kinds of weird things. And you know what I mean? So it kind of like what's happening right now in the, in the United States, at least is that that are sending their kids in public education in Florida, Tennessee, you know, in, in safe places that a lot of people thought it was safe. You know what I mean? To send their kids, you know, to to a to a school district in, in Nashville was safe, but it's no longer safe anymore. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you have all these, you know, younger teachers that are going in 
by the thousands every year in places like Nashville and Florida, uh, you know, South Carolina, they're, they're, you know, they're going, they're, they're, these teachers are getting hired and they're teaching your kids, you know, their kids that it's okay to be gay and it's okay to question your gender. They're teaching them all kinds of crazy things. And a lot of the parents that are Christians in these areas are being put to the test. They're like, well, is it okay? You know what I mean? Is it okay to, to continue sending my kid there? You know what I mean? So a lot of questions are being asked right now locally in the school board meetings. And I think it's very interesting. Hmm. Um, to- yeah, in Poland, uh, this is this is starting, this, this sort of thing is starting gender, gender ideology and uh, homosexual teaching. It's starting in the schools too. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an octopus that is spreading its tentacles out and out, it's going out um, everywhere. I, I don't think any, there's no church denomination, no church right now that is not dealing with some sort of type of scandal, uh, whether political or non-political, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this with other people in other episodes. Uh, we talked about the Southern Baptist Convention uh, with somebody. I talked to uh, the PCA, where they're going through. Uh, you know, I've talked about this in other episodes. Um, so if you have not listened to it, I encourage you all to go back and listen to those. You know, um, tell us about the relationship and influence of the Western church in Poland. So, you, you mean know, people, Western evangelicals? Yeah, you know, like people like, you know, the, the church in America. You know what I mean? They, they mm-hmm. come into Poland. Like how much impact does American churches have in Poland? Yeah, they have a, quite a bit of impact. There's a lot of cross-pollination. There's a lot of Polish ministers that will go to the West and get their studies in America. Um, a lot of ministries are funded from the United States. And so the you know, teachers come over and teach. And yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of Western influence in the church. There's some pushback too. Uh, there are some areas where Polish people say, well, we've, you know, we've got qualified teachers now. We don't necessarily need American teachers to come over and teach us anymore. But Western American teachers are still solid teachers that teach in Polish and are Polish. And uh, tell us a little bit what's going on with, uh, I know, you know, Ukraine is kind of the border. It it shares a a border with uh, Poland. Uh, so, So go ahead and tell us about the situation of how God is using the church in Poland to help the people of Ukraine, if you could just expound on that. Sure. Well, pretty much everywhere you go now uh, in evangelical churches in Poland, you will find Ukrainians. Almost every church that I know of, maybe there are some exceptions, but I don't know of any. We have, uh, so they come to worship services on Sunday. Some of them are housed in some of the bigger churches. We've got in Gdansk, near where I live, in the Baptist church, there's a whole refugee center set up to house the refugees, to feed the refugees. Personally, uh, I am in the head of a foundation in Poland. Uh, it's called Amor Veritatis, for the love of the truth. And we do publishing, but we also do mercy ministry. And so we've been providing food for this refugee center in Gdansk. Weekly, almost weekly, we go and buy about $500 worth of food which is a lot of money here in Poland. We can buy all sorts of things. The church tells me what, what they need. And we go to like a like a Sam's Club type, type store. It's called Macro. And we just buy up all the stuff that the church needs and take it over to them. 
there are Bible studies that go on for the refugees, prayer meetings for the refugees. There are, there's a ministry in a place called Helm, which is sending in trucks full of food and other aid into Ukraine uh, weekly, two or three trucks a week, which is sponsored by many Western missions. Um, Slavic Gospel Association, which I'm associated with, uh, I believe Samaritan's Purse, which is from uh, Franklin Graham and others. They put money into it and then, and then food is trucked into some of the um, more dangerous areas of Ukraine where the people are suffering because of the war. So there's a lot going on. In Warsaw, there's a big refugee center at the Baptist Seminary, just all over the place. Some of the larger churches, like I said, have centers set up for people to stay overnight and sleep and get their lives back in order. Uh, what a demonstration of Galatians chapter six, verse two, once again, carrying others, uh, other people's burdens, not only in, in the Christian context, but what a testimony to non-believers, right? To all those uh, Ukrainians that are coming in and they heard about the lies of the so-called Protestants and walking, walking on Mary's uh, pictures on the floor. You know what I mean? So they're coming in and, and they're going to a Baptist seminary, for example, and they're like, oh, no, we're going to walk all over Mary. And then all of a sudden they're served a hot meal and, and they're served like they're given blankets and water and food and supplies. And they're like, whoa, this yeah. is uh, this is a Baptist seminary. You know what I mean? This is well, a lot different. <laughs> I don't know if the Ukrainians are told about the Mary pictures. The Catholics in Poland are some of them are the older generation. But um you know, a lot of the, there's a, Ukraine is like the Bible Belt of Europe, that there's many, many, many Christians in Ukraine, evangelical Bible-believing Christians, and uh, they're all kind of getting spread out now. I kind of look at it as a uh, sort of a, a, a repeat of the book of Acts, where persecution broke out in the church in Jerusalem, and the disciples spread out. Well, in Ukraine, a war broke out, and the disciples are spreading out all over Europe. But Poland is taking most of them. Wow, what a very interesting analogy and, and uh, you know, connection to Acts, a spiritual movement of the church, realignment, a dis, uh, dispersion of the faith, a distribution of the faith, a cross-pollination of the gospel, like you said. Uh, that's a very, very profound statement that takes us to the bird's eye view of what God is doing, you know, right now from a non, you know, because a lot of people like a lot of people look at it from a political point of view, uh, you know, you know, what is Putin going to do? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. World War Three, you know, and all of those are pretty valid questions. Those deserve attention in their own context. But I feel like that's a dom like those type of questions and curiosities about the city of man is dominant it's dominant it's overly dominant and i think it's just shadowing the church it's neglecting jesus in the gospel it's neglecting of what's really going on potentially with with you know the cross-pollination like is it possible that god brought this war to spread the gospel from ukraine to poland and other areas like you said i think it's entirely possible Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah all over the place we've got we had in my church here in Cartusi, we had a situation where it was a, a elderly grandmother that came uh, and she was taken in by a polish catholic woman who is not an evangelical not a born-again believer and this grandmother 
just evangelized her and witnessed to her, brought her to church every Sunday. All over the place, you have Ukrainian believers that are testifying and witnessing here in Poland. Yeah, amen. And, and I, I think that's a powerful testimony, powerful demonstration of what God is, how God is using Ukraine to spread the faith in Poland. Um, that's a powerful testimony. And that, that's the kind of thing that kind of just gets overshadowed too much when, when we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, World War Three and then like uh, Putin and like all the wars. And it's like, you know what? All those stuff may be true, but you know what? What's going on really? What What, what is really going on, right? Uh, the yeah. cross-pollination of the church. And, uh, and the, the secular world is like, no, 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 no. The church doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's all irrelevant. It, you know, just like what happened in COVID in the United States, the government told the church that the church is not essential, basically. So mm. technically, every church in the United States should really question the government after COVID goes away, if it does, and say, you know what? Look how the government treated the church. If the government basically told us that we don't matter in society, basically. So that really should be asked. Every church should really question the government and say, like, what do you mean we're not essential? Like, and in the light of the earth, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the salt has many random um, meanings. You know, the salt is like a preservative. The salt gives flavor. And there's like all kinds of other things that salt does, right? And that's a metaphor of what we do to society. Sure. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about the discipling of uh, families, young men, um, creating future future pastors, raising raising up future deacons and elders. Give us a little insight of what that looks like and um, how is that currently done. Well, it's probably much similar, very similar to the way you do things in the states. We have men's meetings uh, usually once a month. This month we don't because we're going on a retreat, so we're taking all our families out on a retreat. Uh, at the end of May, but, um, and we go over, you know, various issues that relate to um, being men of God. The women also have meetings. In fact, it was just this afternoon that the women got together, and uh, one of the sisters shared from the book of Romans on, on the issue of love, and uh, the woman, the women are really built up in the faith. We have a seminary where we, where we send students who want to uh, become pastors. Usually if somebody's going to be an elder, they don't necessarily go for formal theological training. You know, we have strong pulpit ministry. We teach from the pulpit. I individually, I meet with people from the pulpit and, uh, and then we have formal training as well. Amen. And you said you guys have a publishing ministry. What, 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 what kind of books are you guys publishing right now? In your opinion, what is the most read book? Okay. Um, we've been publishing a lot of stuff by John MacArthur. We've nice. done, we did uh, his one volume New Testament commentary. We've done the book Strange Fire. We have a, uh, a Bible handbook that was put out by Grace to You some years ago. It was a Bible handbook for all the books of the Bible. And we're finishing the book Biblical Doctrine right now, which is a uh, 1,000 page uh, systematic theology from the Master's Seminary. Nice. So we're finishing that and we have a date from the Crossway Publishers to publish by the 30th of June. And Lord willing, we should meet that date. So that book will get into people's hands. The commentary gets a lot of reading. In fact, we we sell the books as well. Sometimes we give some away, but we also sell them. And this week I had a couple of nice orders for the commentary. So the commentary is selling really well. 
We initially gave it out to pastors and leaders when, when it was uh, done uh, a few years ago. Yep, Johnny Mac is a faithful testimony, um, you know, who has stood up um, to the culture and stood up bravely and courageously um, for Christ, uh, you know, throughout time. So uh, I really do appreciate, uh, you know, Dr. MacArthur a whole lot. So tell us real quick of where people can find you, um, any social media, any pages, uh, you know, and, you know, where can people contact you and find you? And okay, how hold on can... a second. Let me boot up my Facebook page and I'll give you my address. <laughs> and then like uh, out, when you're doing that, just let us know how people can support you, uh, prayers. Uh, what, what are some of the things that Poland needs, um, you know, from the West? We need prayer. We need revival. In your opinion, how can revival break out in Poland? Like, uh, Well, revival is, is a work of God, I believe. Mm -hmm. my, my theology of my soteriology is reformed right and uh i believe it's a work of god it comes in response to prayer and also faithful teaching of the word of god that is his word and his spirit move that people are under the influence and convicted of sin and uh and they get saved here's my um i'll put it up on your chat here here's my facebook it's krzysztof.oszewski.56 on facebook.com so www.facebook.com krzysztof oszewski 56 dot 56 all right so people can find you there on facebook um and what um real quick so people could uh know your ministry what's the website uh, of your ministry um there in poland again okay the foundation is it's amorveritatis.pl that's our that's our foundation our church also has, I can give you our local church too. That would be interesting for your viewer, your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I always like to post links on my, uh, on, on my podcast uh, descriptions on Spotify and stuff like that. So when anybody uh, that are encouraged to learn more um, about you and your ministry, they have the capability of doing it. Uh, maybe God is pressing on their hearts to support you or maybe they want to get involved with Poland or something like that you just never know what God does with uh, the podcast because I do have a lot of listeners in Poland so I am grateful of what God is doing in Poland anyways uh, I appreciate your time uh, Pastor Chris thank you so much for the update uh, thank you so much for your work uh, you know your ministry there for over 20 years uh, a few church plants uh, very insightful, uh, very uh, good news from what I hear um, going on in Poland, um, especially, uh, you know, what God is doing between Ukraine and Poland. Um, I think that was very profound, mind-blowing. Uh, it takes us yeah, out of our it, context. It really is. And given the history between Poland and Ukraine, it hasn't always been sort of hunky-dory. So what's going on now is really an interesting thing to watch, and God has got his hand in it. Thank you for listening to the bible theory don't forget to share this with your homies and subscribe to bible theory on iHeartRadio, spotify itunes amazon music and follow on twitter at the chicano knox